Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. We've got the Derby della Madonnina tomorrow and all the anxiety that comes with me on that one. Jerry Mancini, of course, with us. And we're joined by a special guest, Serie A commentator, co-host of the Lega podcast. David Ferini is with us. Welcome, sir. And how are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Friday night, I'll never forget. It's uh, great to meet you guys as well. I love reading your stuff uh, all over the Twitterverse, and um, it's good to see Serie A loyalists out there. So I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, looking forward to a big weekend of culture. How about you guys? A bit nervous? Oh, doing doing great. I, yeah, I mean, J- Jerry is just going to sit back tomorrow during the Derby and just be ready to fire off tweets, slandering whichever team loses. But my, my heart's going to be in my throat uh, during that match uh, tomorrow. And yeah, we're connecting the continents today. Well, Jerry and I both in North America, different parts of North America. Mr. Ferini is, uh, is over in the UK representing Europe for this one. And, you know, Jerry, h- how are you doing today, sir? I just got back from work, but I made it on time and I'm I'm good. Um, my anxiety level for Napoli Lazio, not high because based on David's podcast, um, it's uh, it's not good for Lazio. Two wins. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you listened to that because uh, there's not many good stats there for Lazio. I, I do have some prepared here just in case we get into... Mr. Sari and, you know, going up against his ex-team. The Lega Football, just to be uh, to precise, David's podcast called Lega Football, and it's really good. It is Thank really very good. Much. It's uh, very good. Look, I'll take the compliment. As an Italian, I'm not going to back down. I'll accept any attention I can get. Thank you very much. And, and if anybody needs a DJ, call David as well. Actually, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed your intro tune. I was, I was actually bopping. I don't know if you could see that, but <laughs> yeah. I, I always do. A bit of a background. All the tunes I actually make for the Lego podcast, I've, I've made those in the past, and oh, thought, oh, why not use them? Wow. Why not use them? Yeah. So, so you own them then? That's that's smart. So am I. I mean, all those millions of clicks every time uh, someone, you know, all those millions of people listening to the pod. I'm I'm a rich guy now. Thanks very much. For your he's a he's a trillionaire. <laughs> he's a trillionaire, and, and we're we're going to get into some of the big games and big storylines coming up in the city. Ah, uh, because it's there's a lot of parody right now. But before we get to that. Let's talk about the Milan Derby tomorrow. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, from from an Inter point of view, uh, you know, the the most challenging match that they had was against Jerry's Lazio. Uh, didn't didn't look very good for the final 20, 20, 30 minutes or so of that match, which was a little bit concerning. Other than that, lesser opposition. Inter have looked pretty good so far. Do have some injury issues. Uh, no Lukaku for the Derby. There's question marks about Bastoni's health. Maybe question marks about. Correa's fitness, you know, Milan have some players with Knox as well. Uh, so h- how are you feeling, David, heading into that match tomorrow? Who do you think has the edge? Look, Lukaku's such a pillar. He's the focal point of that attack. I know that Lautaro's there as well. But still, you got some great uh, options off the bench. Dzeko has a good record against Milan as well. He just He's on a scoring drought, and it's I think the statistics show it's the second worst of his career. But he does like to score against Milan. All those goals are being for Roma, though. He just needs to maybe bottle all that, you know, go back in a time machine, bring some of that form with him. Correa still, I I actually really liked Correa at Lazio, Jerry. I was disappointed he left there, but with Simone going up there, it's no surprise. He's starting to look a bit better. I've seen all the, 
you know, the memes going around about him cooking the barbecues and that, and that's his <laughs> that's all main purpose too. in Milanese <laughs> barbecues. But um, look, I, I think they've still got plenty of ammunition. And on the other hand, you know, Ibra is not there for Milan. I think he's uh, such a leader. I mean, he'll still be in the stadium, obviously, ready to heckle whenever he can. But, um, yeah, look, I could probably see Milan doing it. But, and, and you know, I'm not saying that to give you heart palpitations, you know, my call. I, I predict many games and they don't turn out the way that I predict them. So, you know, I thought Napoli were going to rampage uh, over Lecce and we all saw what happened. Goal from Colombo, what can you do? He did nothing at Spal last season in Serie B when I was calling those games. And next thing, he's scoring a, the best goal of his career against Napoli. So anything can happen. I think psychologically, Inter, with, with the history, they may have that little bit of a psychological edge. They've uh, won a few more than Milan over the course of 100 and million years, 113 years. And with that, uh, Giroud is, is brilliant. He scored that brace last time they met. Uh, you know, not Lukaku, but Lautaro Martinez has five goals against Milan. I think he's very important, as everyone knows, stating the obvious here. I still think Milan, though, they're undefeated. I know that Inter only lost one, but it was at the hands of a good team. Be impressed with that comment, Jerry. So, <laughs> you know, they're looking good. Even though they drew with Sassuolo, they still have a good defensive record. They did concede two against Udinese, but they've, they're coming off two clean sheets. So I think they're going to take that form in. And that back line is starting to gel at Milan again. The problem for me is just if Rafa Leal can get a goal, he's never scored against Milan. So he's going to go out there with that ambition. And we're going to see what he can do. He's rated at 100 million euros. Let's see. That's actually an interesting stat. I hadn't realized that, that, that he's not scored against Inter because it's been really ever since, well, especially last season, um, you know, watching watching him in derbies, like he's just he's so dangerous. And he gives me those hard palpitations you were talking about every time he's coming up on that left flank. So I, I didn't even realize he hadn't. He hadn't scored a goal in, in any of those fixtures yet. And listen, David, I know that it's it's obviously very early in the season and people tend to not really think about, oh, this game is massive for a Scudetto until you get down to like March and April. But I remind people that the three points you get in September, they count for the same three points as the three points you, you know, you get March, April and May. So, I mean... How important do you think this game could be? Because obviously uh, Milan and Inter are two of the favorites for the Scudetto. Could this kind of give us an idea which team may be able to get it done this year? By far, these are the two Scudetto favorites. People are talking about Roma and Napoli, but we're going to see how they go once European competition starts, especially Napoli in the Champions League. They're going to they're throw everything they can, at least at those first two or three games, and we'll see how, that, how things pan out. With Milan and Juve, uh, Milan and Inter, sorry, it's definitely going to set the tone for their season. It, there's so much pride on the line as well. Not, I mean, I've been living in Milan doing commentary for a couple of years now, and it really is split down the middle. I remember on final day last season, I went around Milan and I decided to watch the Sampdoria Inter game at the San Siro or the Miata for Inter fans, and it was like a funeral in that bar, mm. and they really were just praying for a miracle, anything to stop Milan from winning. There's so much there uh, at stake, not just in Milan, but outside because half the country supports one of those two teams as well. The other half um, will support Juventus. And 
it it's going to have a big effect psychologically, I think, especially on the coaches. I don't think uh, Simone Inzaghi has won a derby yet as well. So big things for him to consider. Yeah, not in the Serie A. I mean, in Coppa Italia, if that, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter the same, but not in Serie A, no. Yeah, and 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 I think it's Rafa Leao's 100th game. I think Tonali is playing his 100th game in Serie A. Uh, Krunic also. So there's three Milan players there that are playing for just that little bit more, that extra percentage point there that they may put in a little bit more effort. And that's all it takes. One moment of luck, one moment of brilliance. The only problem is Leao's finishing for me. And that's why he still doesn't score against the bigger teams that often. He sort of loses his head. Um, but look, I think these are the two teams that are going to be there at the end of the season. As a fan, I probably would like to see other teams there, to be honest. But uh, Inter, for me, with Lukaku is the strongest. And I think when he comes back, that's going to be the difference, especially when you take into the account all the European games. Because we're going to see Simone Inzaghi be able to you know, a piece of the puzzle, one's out, Jekyll's in. You know, the other one's out and he's bringing in maybe Aslani for the Serie A game, which is, he's a quality midfielder. The other, some of the other teams don't have that. And uh, yeah, that, that's why we had such an interesting summer transfer window. Deadline day again was was interesting with the Juventus getting rid of uh, Zakaria. So there's a lot of interesting ways to formulate a midfield and, I don't think Allegri is going to have much say come May. Well, look, we we might all not be expecting Juventus to be there, but you never know with them because they are the biggest squad, the biggest team. They got the most cash. Let's not uh, make a mistake there. And they could reinforce in January, just like they did with Vlaovic last season. Yeah. And we all know what he's done in the first two, three games. So. So yeah. to, to this point, uh, David, and obviously you, you mentioned you expect Milan and Inter to be, you know, the teams that are fighting it out for the Scudetto in the end. But so far, uh, what are we, four match days in, heading into the fifth, it's it's it kind of been chaotic, right? I mean, you know, in, in recent years, we've tended to see teams, certain teams start really, really hot. Like Napoli have started recent seasons on long unbeaten streaks. Milan have done it. Uh, Inter have had some good starts to seasons, and and this year uh, everyone's dropped points. There, there's yeah. no there's no perfect record so far. Um, you know, Roma are sitting top of the table. Have they been the most impressive? Which team has impressed you most so far? Six undefeated teams still after the first four games. Two of the three least impressive of those are the two that sit at the top in Atalanta and Roma, in my opinion. And then there's Juventus, which. Let's be honest, we're not great, you know, especially in the first couple of games, even with a 3-0 win over Sassuolo. They didn't look that great. I think Sassuolo just broke down. Um, you know, Milan, Lazio and Napoli, of those, the other three that are undefeated, they've all flourished in specific areas. For me, they've all excelled in midfield, mostly while Milan's de defense has been good uh, with two back-to-back -back clean sheets now. So they're starting to find form. They just need to gel in, 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 in that final third. But I think the pretenders... Look, if you look at Roma on paper, they look great. You know, Spinazzola, Zaniolo's there, Abraham, they got back up from Belotti. They brought in Matic. And for me, it's the back line, the, the, the centre-half pairing at the back. That's where they're going to fall over. I think uh, the goalkeeper's okay in Rui Patricio, but same with Atalanta. They've got great players on paper. They've reinforced with young players. And it all depends on what they're playing for in Europe. That's what we're going to see at the end. 
So of the of those six that are undefeated, I think Milan, Napoli did impress me until match day four. And we all saw what they did against quality opposition in Fiorentina. Maybe they had the better chances in the end, but Sotil could have easily scored one or two. And, you know, but Inter, they've lost the game, but they're just as potent. So of those seven teams, uh, still for me, Inter that lost the game against Lazio, but we all know what they're capable of. And the other three games that they played, they looked as good as Napoli did in the first two. Minus one percentile of the attack, the, the attacking flair with all the, the hype around Quaratskelia. You know, he's up there with Victor Oshim and what a front line that is now. And you've got all the backup. You know, Simeone is there now, Raspadori, Lozano, Politano fighting it out. They had to get rid of Adam Unas. You know, that, that's what had me going, you know, for those that want to know, I like Napoli. So it's, they, 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 you know, they lost players like Fabian Ruiz and they got rid of him a couple of days before the deadline. They got rid of Koulibaly, Ospina, Mertens, Insigne. These are huge, huge players and they've still been able to, to back it up. But Lazio, on the other hand, they just seem to be a solid side. Again, their defense worries me because I'm not sure about Patrick in that back four. But considering Romagnoli came in, I think he's going to be their most impactful signing. I really do. Um, because he has to stand up. He has to stand up. And I think, Jerry, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's a Lazio fan from... Yes. Yeah. So yeah. This, this is his moment. It's his, it's his moment to stand up and 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 kind of be like a Di Cagno in, in trying to drag them forward and, and keep them at least in that seven sisters. And if not, the, you know, the, the four fratelli, we'll call them. And <laughs> we'll hashtag that one tomorrow. That's so, uh, yeah, for me, I think the least impressive is Roma, even though they're undefeated and they've won three. They just, they came up against an easy Monza side and Monza were actually playing better than them until they... Yeah. Gave away that cheap goal to Dybala to just let him scoot off into the no man's land and score. And then it falls apart for Monza because Strop uh, doesn't have that team playing. They've got a great team on paper, just like Roma. It's just that they, they're not performing. Roma had to had to bank on that, just like Napoli did. And just like Udinese did. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think Lazio, for me, are the quiet achievers until now, though. Yeah, with Napoli, I said with Lazio... I'm I'm impressed with um with Patrick because Sari has had a way of getting players to go to another level. Um, he did it with Mertens and he made him play a new position and became a freaking a legend in, in Napoli because of Sari. Um, he did it at Chelsea with Pedro. Pedro have his, had his best season under Sari at Chelsea. Um, I think he had, if I recall, 13 goals total and like nine assists. It was one of his best seasons. Comes to Lazio. He makes Savage have his best season in a Lazio uniform, tack-minded, effective at both ends. And then you have Patrick who couldn't defend for the life of him under Siboni and Zaghi. And then all of a sudden, Sadi comes in and... You saw Luis Felipe couldn't adapt to a back four. He struggled. A Cherby, forget it. Looked like he didn't know how to play football for a whole season under Sari. And then you got Patrick, who became 
like the most stable, reliable player for Sari last year. And it, and it, that was concerning because when Patrick is your best, is your, is your most reliable center back, that, that kind of tells you one, the transfer markets weren't good enough to address the back end. And two, it just showed the, the caliber, the quality of Sari and how he's able to kind of get certain players to play to his game if they listen. And I think a guy like Patrick is, is so respected like Simon, by Simon Inzaghi previous and Sari because of that reason. And why I still think I'm very high on, Sar, on Patrick now because of the manager and his ability just to work very hard. And if he can just take a grasp of the game and the mental side becomes a little bit stronger for him, then he can be a, a decent player. I don't think he'll be some phenomenal player where all of a sudden he's the world-class defender, but that's not what Sari wants from him. Sari just wants him to play a simple game. He doesn't need him to be the most prolific player ever. And I think that's why Patrick has gone from what he was before to what he is now, where he's just he's making it simplify, and that's it. That's all he has to do. Um, for me, I'd like to ask you, what are your thoughts on Napoli's overall mercato? Or you, what would you give it out of 10 after everything closed and done now? Yeah, after the last couple of weeks, I think it's about a nine. I think I won't give it a 10. It's a very good mercato, almost perfect. The, the, the thing that takes away from it is the fact that you had to clean out six or seven absolute legends. And Fabian Ruiz, for me, was the best midfielder at Napoli last year. He's gone. The best keeper's gone. You've got Mertens, Insigne going at the same time. You know, they've, they've replaced them. And in the end, it was a master stroke. It was like Juntoli was uh, shielding his cards. And all the Napoli fans were in apocalypse mode. And I remember putting together the skeleton of an article that I was thinking about writing about how it's gone from maybe Napoli with his team carrying forward. We lose Insigne, but we still got Mertens. We still got this and that. He's going to resign. I'm surely Chido is going to resign. But eventually it looked bleaker and bleaker and bleaker. And then De Laurentiis went public with saying, you know, admitting what he offered Mertens. It looked really, really tragic. And it looked like to me, like, you know, the, the conspiratorial person in me was thinking, is he selling up? Is he getting rid of yeah. all the wages and uh, just trying to get rid of all the bills? So he's got a good looking set of uh, books for his accountants and then he can sell and then take over Barty and maybe propel them forward for Serie A and do the same thing he did with Napoli. Because it just, it seemed really weird that he would get rid of everyone at once. And when you're keeping, you know, your best players are now Mario Rui, Ramani, um, and Di Lorenzo is great for the club, but for him to going, you know, going, coming in as a right back and slowly working his way into the 11 as one of the first choice players, but still as captain, you're thinking, what's, what's happening here? It, it's starting to, to smell of a Sassuolo, if you know what I mean, or a Fiorentina slowly sort of fading away. But the way that, that Juntoli came back with that Mercato, phenomenal. No one expected that. I thought they didn't have any money to spend. In the end, there's a lot of deals where they're paying for loans, but then they'll pay the rest next season. We all know how, how that works with Inter and, and Juventus doing it every year. 
and they only spent like 18 million and that's including the payment for Angiza that they had to catch up on so that he's actually done really well with uh, you know from a financial standpoint and it's they've impressed me they really have i think it's probably the impressive mercato of serie a considering the money they spent as well and they've still got players like uh, Ossiman, who is my favorite there and they were thinking about getting Ronaldo and getting rid of Victor. Uh, look, I, I don't think they were ever thinking of getting rid of uh, Victor Osiman because he's 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 too pivotal to this team. Even if he has a, a poor half of football, you know he's going to come back the next game. He's a physical presence. He's a phenomenon. The, the way he can sort of run around that pitch at full pace and leave players for dead. The only the only other player that I've commentated on that has a similar pace to him is like uh, Junior um, Vinicius at Real Madrid. Mm. That kind of pace. If he really wants to turn on, he will. And it's going to be interesting to see if Cavada and even Lozano can keep up with him once he's got full confidence and fitness. Have a player like that is immense. And I think Napoli... But for me, that's almost a signing to keep Victor in the team instead of being lured by big, big money from like a Manchester United. And they were going to send over Ronaldo and pay his wages and send a couple of Panettone as well. So that to me was a big, big uh, mercato for Napoli. I'm happy with it. It's a great. I have a lot of respect for Yeah. I have respect for Osimhen because he came from League On. And another reason why... He shows that the league has there. There's something good to the league. They call it the League of Talents, and I, I always hype up League on because I always have to hear that EPL is the best in La Liga. I just think that if people paid more attention to League on, the amount of players that people could be buying, the players you can be buying for like a quarter of the price compared to what the EPL spends like eighty million for Gordon or. The other guy that uh, Man United bought for a hundred million from Ajax, who has never won a thing in his life, Anthony, I yeah. forgot what his name. Is. Anthony, Anthony I, I didn't know who the heck he was until this week, and like I, I'm, I've, I've never heard of this guy in my life. I'm gonna be honest; I don't watch Ajax on a on a daily basis. But you got Liao, who who came from Ligue 1 and has been phenomenal for Milan. Uh, like I just said, Aussie man. There's there's the talent that counts for league on and and there's a left back for Marseille Tavares I believe his name is and I think he's going to be very good like I watch a lot of league on with with City A those are my two favorite leagues I don't care that it's called Farmers League if you can if if I'm a scout man I go down to the I go down to France catch a few games and you can find a good player for 10 million dollars because of of the financial situations that a lot of those teams are in um, Lazio did it last year with Bordeaux. They bought Toma Basic and they got him for like $6 million. So when you, when you can find certain players for, for a price like that in the situation that the Italian league is in right now, you, you go for it. But Yeah, it's um, very different to, to pre-lockdown where players like Oshiman were still being bought for that 70 million euro price tag. But with, I don't know if you guys know much about that deal where they sent two or three players the other way for like mm. valued at 5 million each. And one, you know, they were never worth that much, but somehow they've, uh, I don't I don't want to call it cooking the books, but it's just they, a, you know, accounting tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Some accounting tricks by the uh, ADL and, and co, but 
you know, while we're on the Victor tangent as well, I just want to say thank you for following me, Victor, because I can't believe that he followed me during the week on on Twitter. I thought yeah, it was a fake account. I thought it was a fake account, to be honest. And uh, I actually checked, and it was actually him. So I don't know, Victor, have you been listening to to the pods or how much I talk you up, even on this pod? On come on, you've got to follow these guys as well. No, I'm not going to make you follow everyone else, but <laughs> everyone can follow Victor. Everyone can follow Victor or Seaman. I will. I don't think I follow him, so I, yeah. I, I should add him. And I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, one more thing, uh, David, before we let you run, because I guess, uh, you know, it's Mercato is officially closed now. We have most of the season still in front of us. Um, I, I think we are, you already tipped your hand to who the top two likely will be, but how do you see the European spots shaping out? At least the, the top four, if you want to give us a little bit more than that, how do you see it shaping out? I think it's going to come down to determination and what happens in the first two months of the European competitions over, you know, we're going to see it start next week. Napoli are playing Liverpool. Big game. The, these guys are going to go and try their best in these competitions. We'll see how it pans out towards November, but that's going to be telling because clubs like Roma, Lazio and Atalanta can take advantage. So if they happen to do what Napoli did last season, you know, winning or being undefeated after 10 or 11 games, that's going to dictate What's going to happen? And, you know, we've got a World Cup just to throw in there. Spanner in the works is yeah. we've got this uh, European competition with Napoli back in there. Juventus are in there and they're unpredictable. So, you know, to me, a Juve could finish. I don't think they've got what it takes to win the Scudetto. I might eat my words because they win so many, but they could finish even eighth. It, it depends on injuries and depends what happens in the next Mercato. I don't want to. I'm not saying they're going to finish eighth, so you know, don't quote me on that. I don't want Juventus. Well, you, you've become a though. show favorite here by from from two guys who don't love Juventus. Even even the possibility has made you a favorite of ours now. Well, let's hope they don't finish bottom three. Um, well, you can take that one out of context if you want, guys. But um, yeah, look, the the title and top four definitely Inter and Milan. Then randomize the other two spots. It's it's that outcome in May relies so heavily on the European journeys. And if the World Cup delivers a surprise or two and injuries in that World Cup, mm. Inter looks shaky against Lazio, but overall well-equipped to win this title, I believe, until further notice. I think they're my favorite just above Milan. So I'll leave with that. And I think Lazio, Roma and Atalanta, they have that chance to, to take advantage over the Napoli's and Juve's of the world uh, while they're busy playing Champions League. Because I th still think Roma have a deep enough squad and even Lazio to, to still challenge for the Europa League. And but focus on Serie A because we all know they want Champions League football for next season. And this is the, the weird season with a, with a World Cup in the middle to try and push and get back in that top four. Now, hold on. I, I, I lied when I said that was the last thing because, you know, we, we've got we've to get you and, and Jerry battling here for Lazio-Napoli as well. What are your thoughts on that match? Jerry, what are your thoughts on that match? I I don't like our our chances. I I told Joseph yesterday on his pod, on the Fortunopoly pod, that I like a two two tie here. Um, you got two teams. I think that Lazio is a completely different team right now when they're at the Stadio Olimpico. You saw it against Bologna when they were down a man and they showed resiliency to still go toe to toe. If you were to ask anybody watching that game, they thought maybe it was still eleven on eleven. Um, I thought they played very well against Inter at home. You got 
a Napoli side who has their number, but now doesn't have Insigne or Mertens. Those are the two players who have always killed Lazio. I don't care what anybody says. Those two combined probably have most of their goals in the last 10 games. Um, sure. So it, it's going to be interesting because it, it all comes down to does, does the defense continue to play well like they have started for Lazio? And then you got Napoli who has overused Angisa. And I like to see how does that play out in the midfield? Is he tired? Does, does does that become an issue? Does the battle between Immobile and, and Kim and Jai? I, I like to see that. That's that is very interesting because now Jai actually plays a. This is the first time he'll play a a, a more top striker, and mm-hmm. he'll be really tested against an experienced Immobile. And I think that Kim and Jai is really going to step up because I thought that he's probably been Napoli's best player this season. By far, at the moment, big call. Big call. He he has been good in those opening games. He's got so much pace as well. The way he can mm-hmm. mow down a defender. But let, let me just uh, tell you some some statistics about Lazio and and Napoli. So Lazio is the team that Napoli has beaten the most in Serie A. Do you like that, Jerry? For the Neapolitans, fifty three wins. I'm just reading off the Opta stats here: forty one draws and thirty eight defeats. So the Bianco Celeste with thirty eight wins against fifty three for Napoli. So, historically, Napoli play a bit better. Napoli and Lazio have not drawn in Serie A since 2016. That was a 1-1 draw. And since then, Napoli's won nine times and only two for Lazio. So, I could keep reading, but I don't want tears to flow on this podcast. (laughs) Well, I guess guess Jerry would hope that with, with so many Napoli legends having recently left the club, those were the guys who kept beating Lazio. So maybe maybe some you. of the newer players have forgotten. There's always room for more. But I, I will say, I will tell you a pro, pro Lazio statistic here. Ciro Immobile scored seven goals against Napoli in Serie A. Mm-hmm. So he is one of those players that can make or break the game. Uh, and Cataldi is playing really well. And I, he debuted against Napoli. We'll see what he can do. I remember he set up Lazio for that uh, awesome through ball. He put, it was like 50 meters aerial ball, pinged it down for Lazio against Udinese in the Coppa Italia last season. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he's looking like a really good player now. He's, he's In the last 18 months, Catali's come up really well. And let's pay tribute to a player that was with Lazio and then went to Napoli, Bruno Giordano. I spoke about this on a Lega football podcast yes. today. So a champion of the game. He was the Capo Cananieri with Lazio. I think he got 19 goals in 78-79. Moved over to Naples in about 85. And he won the Scudetto with Napoli. Didn't win it with Lazio. But, you know, those are the halcyon days for him. The glory days he's going to remember in the uh, Partenope shirt, probably. I don't know, Jerry, about your opinion of that. But uh, Sari up against his former club. There's a stat here. Um, let me see. It will be... Quadratskeli's first game at the Olimpico. So that'll mm. be interesting to see how he deals with the pressure. Uh, okay. Among the coaches faced at least four times in Serie A, Luciano Spalletti is the one against whom Maurizio Sarri has the lowest percentage. 14%. One win, two draws, and four defeats. Spalletti has won 14 of his 29 matches against Lazio. That's okay. It's, it's 50-50 there. Sarri has lost all of his last three league games against Napoli after he had remained unbeaten in the first three. So it could turn the tide. You could have a, a run of three 
wins here. You don't know what you're going to get with Sadi. And Sadi coached Napoli for 114 Serie A matches, recording the highest average points for a Neapolitan coach in history of the competition. So that's obviously in the three points per win era. And uh, yeah, let me just reiterate, the Lazio coach has lost all of his last three league matches against his former side, Napoli. So we'll leave on that note. Uh, I think it was it was great talking to you, talk to Alex. You. I'm not sure if Jerry will talk to me again, but... <laughs> Jerry's ready. Jerry's ready to weep. But listen, th those stats are incredible. That is why you are a true professional, sir. And David, before we let you run, let people know where they can find the Lego Football Pod and where can they find you on social media? Like you guys, it'll be on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, the rest of it. But it's at... Lega, as in Lega Calcio, L-E-G-A, then uh, football, like football. So Lega Football on Twitter. Uh, we now have a Facebook page. We're, we're incrementally getting to double figures on different platforms. So I think we just passed 10 on Facebook. So if you're feeling sorry for me and you want to follow <laughs> Lega Football on Facebook, please do. And also on, what are we on? YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. So we, we cut some of the, the, the bits of the pod and we, we put them, you know, genre-specific, uh, subject-specific videos on there, you know, no more than five or ten minutes. So that's where we are. I'm also at David Farini underscore on Twitter, on Instagram as well. But who goes on Instagram for culture these days unless it's match day and you want to see some replays. So during the week, you know where to find us all. And obviously these gentlemen here at Jay Mancini, Otto, at Alex Dono, you know where to find everyone. Thanks for having me, guys. That was beautiful. And th thank everyone for watching. We'll talk to you next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.